episode number 213 with Steve and Mike. Welcome to the Heads Up Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton. And this is Mike Snyderman. And uh, let's see, we're both at uh, home now, Mikey. Uh, you've got uh, you've got Jonas right now, right? Yep. Yep, yep, right Jonah. on. He's got a, he had a sleepover or what's, uh, what's he doing? Uh, he was supposed to have a play date. They were just playing on the computer instead. Oh. <laughs> it made it easier. I didn't have to get up at eight and go pick him up. Oh, that was perfect. <laughs> yeah, Steve, I'm, my son in the adjacent room, you might not get the, your normal supply of, of, of gloom and doom from me here today. <laughs> uh, so if you, want, if you want your daily dose of darkness, people should going to have to blindfold yourself and crawl into your closet, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, how you been? We spoke about uh, two weeks ago. Uh, what, uh, what have you been up to since then? Still grinding cash? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I've stuck to the plan. I think I said after when I returned from Maine, penniless here, I was just, it was going to be about putting in lots of hours and I've done that and I've had a uh, profitable month. Nice. Good. So um, I had like back to back days of over two K, which at the two five game is pretty good. That's good. Yeah. Profit. So, you know, um, yeah, this is the plan. As long as I just did long hours at the local, local Southern California casino, Steve, I'd probably be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many hours a, a week have you put in so far? If, well, I guess we're into August now, huh? So for July? I think July I did 165 hours. Okay. Maybe so, but I, I didn't play like the first 10 days of the month. So that was like, oh, it, wow. okay. That was like in three weeks, pretty much, you know. Well, 55 well. hours a week. That's probably, that's probably what it's going to be moving forward. Yeah. It's okay. As long as my back's not in serious pain, I can sit there forever, man. I still, I still enjoy the game. Good. 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 Right on. I don't, don't like studying, but I've always been a lazy bastard, and I no longer want to watch, watch it on TV for the most part, unless I know someone. But yeah, still enjoy walking in a card room, at least. That's, that's something. That's an asset. Yeah. Yeah. It is fun. It is fun. I've, I've started to kind of – I was looking over my um, – um, my data and I'm like, I really need to be playing those tournaments more at my local card card room. At um... oh, I thought da- I thought data was the nickname for your penis, Steve. Sorry, I need to. <laughs> you need to readjust, rethink what you're talking about. I have to start over. I know you you're, you're talking about you're reaching for your data, and then okay. <laughs> yeah, I was looking that over, and I'm like, I really should be putting in more time there. And as nice as it is to sit in my boxers and watch Netflix and play on uh, Bovada, it's it's a lot better for me to be sitting in that room. And I think I'm going to start playing a little more cash. And So I played a couple hours of cash. That, that's, that's funny, Steve. That's that about it. <laughs> but, uh, it uh, yeah, the fact that you are thinking to yourself, man, I'm wasting my time, should really put me in a panic state, by God's sakes. You've got, you get more done in a week and a half than I do in like a year. So <laughs> your idea of wasting time is like, like 20 minutes of Netflix, I'm sure. <laughs> I uh, oh I played that uh, five eighty five that they had at the uh, local card room the one that w- it was going to be a five table max fifty players okay and uh, I 
I woke up in the morning, so I woke up at uh, like seven, you know, had my breakfast and everything. And I knew it was going to be a quick tournament because it's the same format as their $100 tournaments. And then they have the same format for a 235 once a month. So for a 585, this is a big tournament for this little, you know, 18 table card room. And, um, uh, but they started it in an odd hour. They started at nine o'clock in the morning when all of their tournaments start at 11 or seven at night. Right. He told me he was afraid that um, they were going to get an influx of people from LA that, you know, if the commerce puts on a uh, tournament like this, they get 900 players. He's like, we just can't accommodate that. We can't, you know, make enough cash tables for that, you know, so they didn't really advertise it. They put it in an odd hour. And so I thought when I showed up, I'm all, there's either going to be a hundred people here or there's going to be none. (laughs) uh, There was, I got there at 830, hoping that was early enough, uh, you know, to make sure I at least got a seat. And uh, I noticed the parking lot was was significantly vacant. And I walked in and I bought in and I said, how how many people are there so far? And he said, you're number two. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So the tournament got to where, um, uh, let's see, we, uh, it, it, you know, it came to 9 a.m. and uh, there was seven of us. And um, I'm looking around and there's me and two other guys that uh, know what we're doing and there's four other this, that don't. And there's getting a lot of baby birds kind of you know chirping, saying like, uh, oh, well, we don't even have one table. I don't know if I even want to play and this and that. And I'm like, oh, my God, I might have got up at 7 o'clock in the morning for fucking nothing if they don't launch this thing, you know. I thought, okay, what can I do to kind of sway it in the direction of, you know, let's let's get the cards in the air. And so I, I look at my seat number and I realize it's for the wrong table. And I'm like, okay, they had multiple tables here because they thought they were going to they were going to have a lot more people. So I, I just kind of sat down and, and – in one of the seats and I said uh, I asked the tournament director I was like hey Jose what um, uh, is this where my seat is because I see this is the wrong table but it looks like we're playing a sit and go and then he's like, oh okay new seat cards so he gets out the seat cards start passing them to everyone and then the game kind of got rolling you know and um, it was uh, it was good it was a really good game um, but it was just super fast it was a turbo how many people ended up entering? I'm sure a few people came late, right? A few people came late. Um, to give you an idea how good this was, there was a guy that came in and he could have sat down instantly getting there about, I don't know, 15 minutes late. And uh, he wanted to wait until the first break in which his starting stack would be about 12 big blinds. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I think I told this story. Yeah, there, I think I was in one tournament where the person like was down to uh, took a bad beat, was down to like seven bigs, and like I got to take, I got to walk this off, man. That was terrible. <laughs> and like returned with like two bigs. I'm ready to play now. Yes. Like, I, <laughs> oh, that's and, and, and serious, of course, not yeah. not aware of. Of course. Um, yeah. yeah, that actually just got me uh, thinking quickly. I wonder what the the reason they probably start early is because they have some good, they want those cash games tables open as, as soon as possible. Maybe. I don't know. His reason- like a cat, a cash game table in a casino pulls about $180 in rake. So, so that's why these tournaments, these local tournaments just go so fast. They make less money per hour on the table. I'm sure it's just to, uh, you know, make, I mean, they make money on it obviously, but it's also to, uh, it's keep people happy who, who like tournaments, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, from this tournament, uh, I imagine if, you know, a single table like this uh, 
we ended up getting 11. Um, I went out eight and just shoved the ace queen, ran into nines, never got there. Right. And um, uh, this one, it was like, um, it probably went four hours and there was 11 people. So that's 850 plus 85. Uh, what was that? Nine, uh, 35. And, um, I mean, they made some good money on that in four hours. That's not bad. Like, yeah, I mean, they're not doing it as charity. I know they're, they're making some money there, but, uh, yeah, I, I want to get with them though and see if I can persuade them to start it at 11. I think that'll at least double the turnout, you know? Um, yeah, that's early. <laughs> yeah, especially for poker players, and especially when all of your tournaments are at eleven o'clock. And there was a couple of players there that that said that they just happened to check in the morning. They didn't know why they did because they always started at eleven. And they saw it start at nine. They're all, oh shit! And they jumped in the car and came. That seems so, to be when I play daytime. Like eleven a.m. is when the two five starts a lot. That's kind of the hour where a lot of people drift in. So yeah, yeah. I guess the same thing would go for uh, for tournaments, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It, uh, I had one hand. Um, it's not, uh, I don't really remember the exact. Uh... Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping I would sneak this in without you. I was going to be like, Steve, I, I, sorry, I just don't have all the details. Let's move on here. No, go, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> I had, uh, uh, let's see, I was in early position, like UTG1. Uh, at this point, we're like eight-handed. Um, I got ace-queen, uh, both diamonds. Ace Queen of Diamonds, and um, uh, if the blind levels were 100, 200, I made it, you know, like 650, something like that. Uh, folds around to the small blind, he calls, the big blind calls, both recreational players. Um, the big blind especially, I played with her a lot. Like, I've played with her um, since the card room used to be up on the avenue, so if anyone, there's probably nine listeners right now that know what card room I'm talking about, <laughs> and uh, uh, when it used to be up there, which was probably a decade ago. Um, so I feel like I'm very familiar with her. And okay. um, uh, flop comes down, 6-6 six, six, deuce, one diamond, uh, small blind checks, big blind checks. I throw out, uh, I think like a, I don't know, a little bit more than a half pot bet. Uh, small blind insta folds. And then the big blind, she... Uh, kind of does that uh, that shrug move like oh what can i do but call you know what i mean the move that right telegraphs that she's got a good hand <laughs> you know usually unless she's given the double reverse tell there this is this is why i kind of avoid some of this stuff you look at because i'm if you're not going to do it well and really mm -hmm. absorb it, it's better not to look at all i've discovered but anyways i'm sorry I, it did not feel like an act at all and okay. as much as i played with her i mean it, it just felt like okay she she is Minimum sevens plus right here, right? Um, so um, with ace, queen of diamonds, then we go to the uh, turn with one diamond on the flop, and the turn is the nine of diamonds. Uh, so now we got nine of diamonds, six of diamonds, and then six deuce. I can't remember the suits. Uh, she checks. At this point, I'm like, well, that was probably one of the best turns that I could have uh, hoped for. Um, and I feel very certain here if I bet that she's going to raise me or, um, you know, I, I don't think she's going away. You know what I mean? Okay. So I and then uh, the river comes a blank. It was, well, not a blank for me, I guess. It wasn't a diamond. Uh, it was a jack of clubs. And then she just insta bets out. Um, it was about pot. And uh, which would have left me with, I think it would have left me with about 
5k and if the blind levels at that time were one 200 i would have like 25 big blinds and uh so i fold it was an easy fold but then she flips over quad sixes and i was like wow that could have been uh, <laughs> ugly if that was the jack of diamonds instead of uh, the jack right <laughs> so i definitely dodged that bullet well yeah that's good that you uh that you have the read there yeah that, that's one you usually um see i mean you do see sometimes yeah, it's usually it's, I think people have said like they're just, holding they, the chips in their hand and they shrug their shoulders and then they and then they put the chips in. Uh, if you see that from a pro, just forget it. But if you see it from a recreational player, then it's very likely that they got a good hand, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, a lot of yeah, a lot of probably at least the good recreational players, they're going to just try to be not bring any attention to themselves yeah. when they flop a set. So even like the shrug of the shoulders there could be like. I don't know, but um, I guess you lost the minimum. I think so, yeah. That might, yeah, I mean, if your read is solid, normally you have to, um, I think you want to, that, that is a spot maybe you will want to go for thin value sometimes. But like, tens are better maybe, I mean, you, if you think she's got sevens or eights or is just, Maybe even just calling with ace high. I'm not sure, but with part of your range, anyways. Well, I only had ace high by the river, you know. Uh, right. But no, I was just talking about range versus range. Oh, okay. Analysis here, like I obviously you you gave up properly there, but I'm saying you know how would you play queens on the river too? Are you you know you might be losing value there. I don't know if you can put her just on a six, but. I mean, maybe in a specific spot you can, but I think um, I well, it, had she not done that shrug, I would have bet the turn. Uh, when the when the diamond comes out, you know, sure. I, I see bet the flop, and then like she doesn't do that shrug, she just calls. I mean, I could see her calling there, um, with ace high, maybe even some king highs. Like she she likes to get down to the river, you know. So at that point, you know, ace queen might even be a value bet. Uh, but with that shrug in there, I was just like, okay, well, I guess we need to hit a uh, runner, runner diamond <laughs> or right. runner, runner, ace, ace or runner, runner, queen. Well, queen. it sounds like, yeah, when you're, when your read is that strong and you trust it, then it's obviously you're, you're not putting another, another dollar in the pot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was the only real interesting hand there. Everything else was pretty, oh, I did have one that was, uh, I had eights in like middle position, real limpy table, you know, very common to limp under the gun with things like king 10 offsuit and stuff and then call a raise and um so i did have eights in middle position uh and it was just that under the gun limped uh under the gun one limped and then i had eights in middle position uh and at 35 big blinds and uh three bet and then just a flop of like ace king you know nine or something <laughs> it was uh, it's just one of those days that uh, couldn't get anything working but it was fun it was a good tournament i hope they do it again it was just a turbo. Yeah, it sounds especially, you know, if you if they actually got the number they're expecting, and maybe they will the next, that's like, I, I don't know, that's like 15000 for first, right, <laughs> or something. Yeah. If you're, only, if you're only paying three people. Yeah, because uh, it, it, well, with 50 people, they would pay five, possibly six. Uh, I think they oh, 50 would. was the max. I, I thought it was 20 to 25 is I had the number in my mind. So yeah, no 50 max. So, um, and they would accept alternates. Um, so, I mean, this thing has the potential to have 55, 60 people. Sure. Um, 
you know, and just with 50, that's 25 K prize pool. Yeah. So it probably is 12 or 15 K for first. I think they'd pay down to five. Now nah, they'd probably pay to six. They'd probably pay to six. But, um, but uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Good tournament. Good tournament. So what else, Steve, can we talk about here? Give me something else you can be annoyingly positive about. Uh, let's see. What <laughs> do I got? <laughs> I've, been, uh, I've been doing the stocks uh, game. Uh, oh, yeah. I was lately the last of a little bit more. My buddy Danny and I, that we do it together. And um, he's real good at finding these ones that pay dividends, which we've learned is, at least in the game we're playing, kind of important because you can buy into one of these stocks. Let's say you get, um, we'll just make it simple. Let's say you buy a, a grand of uh, one stock for $10. Um, if it doesn't pay a dividend and it just goes sideways, in other words, you know, one day it's worth $10 and 11 cents and the next day it's worth $9 and 98 cents. And it just goes sideways for months. If you have a 6% dividend, you're still making money, you know, so it's okay to keep that thing in there. But, when we kind of got into this about a year ago, we didn't know that. And, um, you know, we have some stocks that we bought at the beginning of that time that have been going sideways and we're not making a dime because they don't pay dividends, you know? So we've just had this money for a year sitting there and we're still waiting to overcome the, uh, the commission costs. And sure. We can't get rid of the damn thing. So the stocks are sitting there, you know, even in the ones, if you, if they pay a dividend and they go down, at least, you're getting some money back with the dividend and then you can, uh, 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 once it gets back up to where you sold it or a little bit higher, then you can make some money. And it's not that bad if it sits in there for six months instead of what you originally thought it was going to sit in there for maybe six weeks or three months. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been a, uh, it's been a fun game. It's, I've found a way to keep my bankroll. I've got about 15 K right now that I'm farting around with stocks and eight K of that is locked up in a uh, federal money market fund, which is paying two and a half to three and a half percent. I've seen it as high as four. So just by having that money in that account, um, you're making money there. And then with the, with the other seven or eight K that I've got uh, basically on the tables right now, um, now that we know about the dividend thing, uh, we've just got them plugged into these different stocks that uh, are paying, um, uh, you know, good dividends. Some of them are even up to 9%. Those are a little bit more volatile. So you got to be very careful about when you enter. But uh, I would think now this is kind of funny that I'd be the voice of caution, but I, it's more like I'd be the voice of laziness. And I just don't want to be buying a lot of stuff that I don't know about. I want to be the research. But I mean, with your, you make a good salary, Steve, you could just probably put 20k a year into an IRA or more. Why don't, you just, why don't you just do that at age 60, you're a multimillionaire and you cruise, I mean, you know what I mean? You cruise till then. Is this uh yeah it's i mean if you're making ice i'm not sure i'm just just throwing that out there steve <laughs> it um um you know i'm it, sure you do that too we're talking you, about that too and and he yeah, said yeah. that i do have a roth ira the max is uh six grand a year that i can put into that and i've got that maxed out um, okay but the uh this one danny was talking about he's like what if you know what what do we do when it hits 2008 uh, and every, all the stocks we own just get cut in half, you know, right. you've got 10 grand on the tables. Now you got five. You're basically stuck with those things for the next five years until the market recovers. That's why it's gambling, Steve. Exactly. And so then we started thinking like, well, what if we started diversifying some of these stocks into some that are like overseas, you know, maybe like buy some 
banks in Ireland and uh, uh, I don't know something in Asia and like that. And so we've started. When you, say, doing you, that. when you say we, you're talking about the the guy who coached you. No, me and my buddy. Oh, okay. So got coached by the guy. And I thought maybe you were hearing voices in your head. Teddy, <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Red rum, red rum. I refer to myself as the, <laughs> the third person. Okay. My little uh, devil and angel on either shoulder. Okay. Sorry. So you're you're coming up with a different strategy. I'm assuming your buddies. Uh, you guys actually have a, a joint bankroll for this. No, no, we're we're basically we have our own bankrolls, but we're basically buying the same stuff and selling it at the same time. And um, uh, I'm kind of more of the pattern recognition guy of recognizing when is a good time to buy and when is a good time to sell. And he's a lot better at finding which ones to do that with. Um, I'm kind of the timing guy, uh, but it's a good partnership. It's fun. I enjoy it. And uh, yeah, so the thing is, though, some of these overseas ones, too, I mean, a lot of them follow the American market. So if the American market tanks, you can look over history and you see that they tanked as well. So it's like, eh, maybe that's not spreading it out as much as we thought. So I don't know. I think there is a hit coming. Uh, Sorry, Steve. Uh, I think there is a hit coming, uh, but I just got to make sure that I don't have money on the tables that I can't risk it. Uh, not, li not like me. You don't want to have 90% of your net worth into something that's not worth anything. <laughs> or you don't even know what it is. I mean, it really was that fucking, that was just me hauling a massive sack of, of, of magic beans into my, my room. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm stupid. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Steve. Once again, I cut you off there. So, yeah, if I if I were to do it, I would also like use ten percent of your. Since you are really responsible with the bankroll, why not ten percent on just trying to find some cheapo stock? Cross your fingers, and you know what I mean, like something that's either going to explode or that's that's where I would do my research or find someone to do it for me. Just just ten percent is like that's basically what we're doing. Is okay. a lot of the ones that we're looking at are very very volatile, but they seem to follow a pattern of, let's say it's a 40 or 50, let's say it's a $40 stock. It within the period of six months will go up to 50 down to 30 up to 50 down to 30. I mean, it looks like a Charlie Brown shirt, you know what right. I mean? Well, that I, is I'm no just, guarantee that it's not, of course going to not. Go down to 15 or up to 85. You have no idea, but it's a general pattern and you can see it. And there's certain little uh, software tools that you can use to, predict uh what it's going to do next now by predict it's no different than poker you know you push all in with ace king and the guy calls with jack 10 and you're still going to lose 35 percent of the time but uh more often than not you don't and um that's yeah i'm just making my point you're trying to slight if you could get five percent profit you would be very happy with that right exactly i'm i'm, but I, I'm saying just find something to gamble on what's that find something to Gamble and get just hold on to it, and maybe it makes eight hundred percent profit. You know what I mean? I don't know, but yeah. we did do a couple of those. But I tell you, the money is just in these like little safe. Uh, I'm doing air quotes now. Uh, these little safe uh, bets that they follow. We we did do that. We did that with Tesla, and uh, initially we would have been great. We invested seven hundred, seven fifty into Tesla, and it went up to um, you know we would have made one hundred fifty bucks in three days. Got a little greedy, thought it would go up to uh, 350 bucks a share, which had it followed the pattern, it would have. And uh, very next day, Elon Musk sent out a text or something that 
you know, says he was going to send out all these uh, self-driving cars and take over Uber. And then the stock just completely tanked. <laughs> it was yeah. like, you know, shit, you can't control. And uh, um, he was, he was seen at a social gathering with a heads up poker podcast hat. And they all just thought he was deranged. <laughs> So we're damn near even on that one, but we learned from that one too. Speculative stock, extremely volatile, and no dividend. You know, that was a mistake. So now we got 750 bucks or whatever it was uh, tied up in that until I could at least get back up. That's, that's money that I could have had in the other account making me 3% this whole time instead of just staying, <laughs> you know? Right. But you're doing it right. Like I said, even if the stock market goes to hell, this is, it'll be annoying. Yeah. But this is not like a massive, you know, part of your net wealth. You know? No, it's just, it's just. If the stock market ever collapsed, we'd have much bigger problems. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be, there'd be, there'd be Nazis and, you know, Mexican gangs fighting in every town. It'd be, yeah. I mean, if, if we ever faced real scarcity, I think this country might be in, be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be doing uh, fantasy football again this year. So last year I got two out of 24. I'm hoping to – I just want to take the damn thing down, dude. I just want my name on the on the trophy. There's a trophy? There's a trophy, yeah. And then there's also a trophy or a plaque of shame for whatever you want to call it. We call it the rusty trombone. And the guy that loses gets his picture taken in a dress and the earrings and a necklace. And then that picture's up on the wall on the rusty trombone for – until the next guy takes that title. So I like it. <laughs> yeah. Never had that one, <laughs> but uh, never even come close to that. But uh, um, yeah, I got second last year and I'm like, so close. Uh, but um, yeah, we'll see. And then there's another sports betting one that I want to do uh, with my brother. He's played, I believe, two or three years. And I know he's cashed twice. It's like a 350 or $400 buy-in. Uh, hundreds of people enter this. Um, and um, you know, so there's tens of thousands in the, uh, in the prize pool. And uh, you basically pick five uh, football teams a week to win against the spread. And the first one that you're most sure about, you assign five point value to. And then the second one, you assign four points, three points, two points, and one point, okay. that, you know. And he's got a system that uh, seems to be working. And uh, so he said it's really easy to learn. He's going to teach it to me, and and uh, and then he'll show me how to um, incorporate it. Each you got sports better extraordinaire, uh, Mark Alioto, in your corner too, perhaps. True. Yeah, I can, can ask him. I'm sure he'll want to. You know, he's a hustler. He'll want to make some sort of deal. Steve, I hope you're here, but you just have to promise to uh, get a new phone number and never call me again. When <laughs> Like that would be a reasonable trade he might ask for. Well, if I got through to him, then then I would have had already gotten a a, a new phone number because the the one I got now is blocked. I guess it was a bad joke. Okay, anyways, uh, it uh, was really. Oh no, <laughs> I was I was feeling bad. I'm like <laughs> then I'm like, there's someone else out there that's so annoyed by you. They're just I mean, let's, I'm like, it's kind of unfair. Locked contact. <laughs> uh, well, my brother said basically what he does is he takes the. Uh, the spread that comes out at the beginning of the week that is put out by the professional sports, um, uh, you know, line setters in Vegas. And uh, then he compares it with the spread just an hour before the game starts on Sunday. When all the public has put in their opinion to this and Vegas has adjusted the line so that they don't get murdered by one, one game. And uh, you take the difference, see how many like inflection points he calls them that they crossed or, uh, you know, thresholds or whatever you want to call it as for example, in football, three is a huge number. 
because field goals are common and they're three points each. So if you cross that threshold of, of three points and make it three and a half, and that's the new spread, then that you've crossed a giant threshold. Seven would be another one, um, you know, like that. Uh, so that's the basic concept of it. It'll, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that, but um, I'm kind of excited about that one. I think I feel like I can just be a trained robot and pick these fairly quickly with minimal time each week. And uh, yeah, let's see how it goes. Yeah. Seems like every bet you make, Stevie's going to be plus EV. You, you spend a lot of time on these things, whether it's finance or poker or blackjack or whatever. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I like Have it. you ever had a time, of course, this has happened to me hundreds of times, where you le- leave a casino just devastated, where you're like, I cannot believe I lost that much money. Or is that, I mean, like when you first started doing blackjack, where you probably like you were counting, you're making money, and then you had one day you got your ass kicked and you just left like devastated or... I must have had something like that uh, because I remember, and I didn't always have this, but I would, um, after that, it would be like for a cash game, I've got, um, you know, I'll I'll normally take to a cash game, like two and a half or three buy-ins, but I don't take more than three. Um, So that must have happened at some point, although I can't recall when it was. Okay. Um, Because I, I, you know, maybe it was something, maybe it happened to my brother. He used to play cards. (laughs) semi-professionally like 12 or 15 years ago and he was saying that he's he's not comfortable like if he loses two buy-ins right off the bat he's better off going home than he is uh buying right and maybe that's where it came from where i was like yeah i think yeah after three buy-ins that would fucking suck and i don't know that i'm making the most ideal decisions (laughs) you know right Um, probably a bad streak for you is just like oh this is this is part of my deposit for house number three that won't go through (laughs) kind of you know it wasn't uh, I don't know. What, what, can you remember the uh, the most devastating one you had? Oh, I don't They're all, you know, they're all pretty bad. I don't know. I don't even want to talk about gambling. <laughs> I don't know why I brought it up. Um, I think I've told a bunch in the old days. I'm not sure. The old days of the show. I know it'd be, I offer a lot of private information that most rational people would not share. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, no, there, there was a couple times where I had trouble walking out of the casino because I've been standing for like 40 hours. Like the only thing that's keeping me going is just watching at the dice, like just fighting through a, the physical pain out of pure will. Wow. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's once I got into my car and the cramping was so intense, it took me like a couple hours before I could drive home. I had to sit there and then try to took a little nap and it was like just the pain. Um, yeah, probably totally dehydrated. Probably had one one water in two days or something. So, wow, you've done a forty hour session at the crab stables? I think so. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, probably for sure a few times. Um, wow. Yeah, it was just, my addiction was as bad as can be, Steve. It was it was for my love addiction though. It was the only time I wasn't desperately thinking about some woman or women in general. So that was that's the reason I just, I've discovered late in life. I wonder if I got a bit of that, uh, Steve. You have. To- you do not have an addictive personality here. I mean, you kind of do, but I guess. Well, I've, I've been hooked on nicotine since I was probably 16 in some form or another. For the last like seven years, it's been this nicotine gum. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah, with girls too. I mean, like, I think it is kind of like whatever it is that I choose to focus on in the moment. Like I just, there's just blinders on and nothing else matters. And I just run towards it, which I think in some aspects is a strength, but other aspects you know parts of your lives and parts of your life and other areas can suffer you know yeah i mean we all feel the same things it's just you know grief rage joy whatever i just feel all the emotions just so much more intensely and purely than 
than other people. You know, that's just my malady or whatever you want to call it. Maybe that's what makes me interesting, Steve. I don't. <laughs> makes for an interesting dichotomy, that's for sure. <laughs> um, what else did I want to say, bud? I don't know. I want to quickly say this is, I, was, I felt a little bad that I, I failed Veronica when she brought up her, I totally forgot. She had mentioned this before on her Twitter, but her Twitter is so light and funny that I'd forgotten that she had a child that died of cancer. Yeah. I don't know. That just came up in a weird spot where I kind of, both of us were just kind of silent. Yeah, I guess we were. Uh, there's really not too much. I, I'm just hoping I didn't like offend her somehow there. I don't know. Because you know, Steve, how much I want Veronica to part, become part of the Heads Up Poker uh, family here. Yes, yeah. Comes yeah. To, you know, Clayton could die in a hang gliding accident any day now, you know? <laughs> there, there's room now anyways, but there might need a lot of room. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I don't think it was too... Um, Awkward. I, I remember no. listening to it. I was kind of like, oh, okay. When I was listening to it uh, after it came out, you know, and I remember in the moment I was like, oh, all right. She's actually probably grateful because no other human being other than someone else who's lost a kid at a young age could offer any useful commentary that at all, you know? Yeah. 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 That's life. That's life. That's, um... Oh, we got a, uh, we got an email. Okay. This one's from Greg C. Longtime listener. Steve, big fan of the podcast, was listening today, and you were discussing a recent local tournament that you ended up winning. Congrats. Thank you, Greg. When discussing the local casino tourneys, you mentioned that knowing your push-fold ranges and your calling ranges is a big part of your edge. I'm familiar with push-fold ranges and use them often, although I haven't come across any resources around calling ranges, anything you can pass along. Or did you build your own? And if so, what general process did you use? range based on range assumptions keep up the great work thank you greg um you know honestly greg what i do is i i just uh, google uh, nash calling ranges and uh, hit enter and then print out uh print out i don't know three of them compare and contrast uh it it'll it'll be set up kind of like a um, xy axis uh with you know all the hands like you would see on equilab or slice or any one of those uh, programs and it'll tell you what each one is a call. And basically what it is, is it's a call from the, um, uh, if the small blind shoves, shoves you're in the big blind. Um, and, uh, you know, it's for that scenario. And that is if the other person is playing perfectly. So if the guy's a little bit tighter than usual, then you probably want to um, uh, adjust for that. And if he's a little bit looser than usual, then you probably want to adjust for that. Uh, but um, that's basically what I do as far as the uh, calling ranges. What do, what do you do, Mikey? Like, how do you? Well, um, I, I just go by the charts. I mean, I, 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 by the, I kind of probably have them close to memorized. I don't know. All the shove fold. And then, well, when I, when I made the final table, of course, the, uh, the million dollar tournament I was using, I think it's a float the turn. You can play like 40% tighter, 30% tighter. Like oh, you, okay. Yeah, they actually not, have not just a shove chart, but one that you can adjust for, you know, tighter or looser. Okay. That's so people, are, oh, people, are over, people are overfolding. You can make it looser. And if there's huge pay jumps. Um, so at one point, it's like there was like two people with all the chips and there's like seven of us with like probably 10 to 20 bigs. Okay. So I just had to like try to fold everything pretty much. Yeah. Try to move up a couple spots. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't going to fold everything, but I had to think I, it was like 50% tighter or something. Okay. I had it okay. set for. 
Interesting. And that's on float, float the Turn? Float the Turn, yeah, the Jonathan Little site. I think that's what it's called. And, okay. Uh, yeah, they, they have one, one of the better uh, shove fold charts. I like it. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at that. As far as push fold charts, I just use the Jennifer one. If you Google Jennifer push fold, uh, it'll be the first and only thing that comes up and you can adjust for the ante size and stuff. It's, it's kind of neat. Then just print them out. And after using those things a bunch, you just naturally memorize well, them. Of course, the beauty of these little uh, day attorneys, Steve, is that a lot of people don't even understand push fold. No, they don't. Or stack sizes. These aren't even, you know what I mean? So it's... Uh, yeah. And probably that might even be, you know, you're going to get so many folds just by min raising middle position. You don't have to like shove the bottom of your, you know, your chart there because you'll, you'll know they're only reshoving with tens plus or something, but. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them, like when you shove on someone at these local tournaments, they're calling way too tight, way too tight. They're folding way too often. Um, and they're not shoving loose enough. You know, so when they shove all in, when they've got nine big blinds or whatever, it's probably a lot tighter than the uh, than the charts suggest. They're probably not doing that with, you know, 10, seven hearts or something. Um, it, uh, I mean, every now and then they do, uh, but just take note of those players and they'll be back and uh, use that information. But yeah, good question, Greg. Thank you, sir. Um, let's see. You have another, another email? Uh, we do here. Uh, this one's from Andy from Illinois. I don't have a hand to discuss per se as much as a topic. On a recent podcast, you said that you think your edge in small buy-in tournaments comes largely from knowing push fold ranges. I'm thinking we must have started a theme here, Mikey. Uh, I recently played in a $350 buy-in tournament, which is the biggest tournament I've ever played in. Also the first real tournament I've ever played in. I play regularly in a sort of underground home game type of tournament. I did cash for $760. Great experience. Uh, nice. No major complaints. So. Uh, nice. Um, I've kind of reflected on my bust out hand, which has a few aspects to consider. But to me, the biggest decision point is preflop. I had 16 big blinds. It's good you're keeping track of that, Andrew. And a big stack opponent raised from middle position. And I called from the cutoff with ace 10 suited. What do you think here? I guess my point of confusion is I believe this is a jam on push fold charts, but those charts relate only to if you are open jamming. I'm not sure if it's still jamming face open. Well, what, what are you thinking right here, Mike, uh, before I go There on. are charts too, by the way, for re-jamming when someone opens. You know, what, 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 what can you reshove with properly? Not just what you can shove with properly. Yeah. Um, so those, those exist. I would be shoving here a lot, unless I thought it was just a real nit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, th this is something you can just put in an equity calculator. But uh, even if the person's opening even 25%, you know what I mean? Like just the, the tight, aggressive person, you're still getting a lot of folds when you shove here, I think. Uh, how many does the main villain, how many ch uh, chips do they have? Uh, just says he's uh, big stacked. It doesn't, doesn't say how many bigs he's got. Um. Well, I mean, if he if he's if he if he's uh, calling wide, if he's calling with everything he opens, that's not even terrible either. He might have a bunch more aces and some hands we dominate. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards just to shove here, unless it's the absolute stone bubble. If if you if you have such an edge where, like everybody's just everybody's overfolding, or um, you know, but uh, I don't know. That's my first instinct. Like I said, Steve, I'm kind of done with tournaments. So with every tournament question you ask going forward here, my 
confidence in my answer is going to be less and less. <laughs> it's going to diminish <laughs> as we go on. <laughs> I, I'm tempted to think that this is definitely a profitable shove. So um, I don't know if that means sh- I would maybe you can just flat on the button or the big blind here off, off 16 bigs, but probably you're supposed to just fold here if you're not going to shove, right? I don't I, know. I think so. I, I, uh, okay, so we're in the cutoff. So we have a uh, middle position opened. It folds to us. We got ace-10 suited. We got the button, small blind, and the big blind to get through. And uh, so that's three people behind you that are probably calling this with the top 5%. <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe eight. I don't know depending on their stack size. But yeah, unless the guy's a knit, I love to just reshow. You think they're only calling with the top 5% of hands? That's probably what that's, that's too tight. Huh? Um, yeah. I mean, it depends if this, if this guy, you know, is someone who's opening wide and um, if he's like C betting 100%, then you can just maybe stop and go here. Just sho- shove over any flop. Well, oftentimes when we call here, uh, uh, we're going to get some of the blinds or someone to come along too. You know, you're just sweetening the pot for them. Um, right. But you could also hit here and leave in the hands that are dominated, the crummy aces from the blinds, I guess, if you want to look at the op- opposite side of it. Yeah. I don't know. What, what would be your shoving range here, Steve? Let's just put it that way. Uh, okay. I, uh, I think, I think ace 10 suited is close to the bottom. Um, depending on the villain, let's say it's an average, uh, recreational player he doesn't give too many um um he doesn't give any details about the uh the opponent but we'll just say it's an average local casino regular uh i think ace yeah probably ace 10 suited above um pairs maybe fours or fives plus i think i'm folding twos and threes there uh and then i like shoving um like uh King Queen offsuit, uh, offsuit aces probably down to ace jack, and then I guess you got to mix in like a jack ten suited or something. Eh, it doesn't feel right doing that. I just feel like they're always like gonna snap you off there with the ace deuce offsuit or something, you know. Um, yeah, I'm not really prepared to answer this. I'm my first instinct is like I would be like ace eight suited, okay, ace ten off in any pair deuces, and then most of the suited broadways. You're probably right on it. Ten any. jack suited, queen jack suited, king king jack suited might be the only one gapper um, suited that I play, and then uh, king queen off sounds about right. Um, again, but we both agree this is a this is a three bet show, right? Yeah, I, I would think about at least 75% of the time, depending on his opening, but if, especially when you say chip leader or big stack, and he, you know, I'm, I'm picturing him opening. Yeah, basically it can be a shove against anyone but like pretty tight players. Yeah, yeah, the old I, man that hasn't played a hand in 30 minutes and now he comes out raising. Um, it, uh, I, I, well, let me ask you this. I, I like shoving best, then I like folding, then I like calling. What do you like? Yeah, I'm sorry. Was he on the button? Uh, he's in the cutoff. Yeah, yeah. Button, I, I could I, almost entertain a call. I just like shoving better. I was going to say maybe if you're on the button, then you could justify shoving, then calling, then folding. But in the cutoff, 
I feel like when we call there, it's just like, it's so likely that other guys are going to come in the hand. You're not guaranteed to have position because you still got one guy left act that has position on you. Uh, and I'm just not a fan of. Uh... Yeah. I mean, again, like the thing is you have people behind you are going to call. Like if it was in the, if, if again, if exploitively, if you thought this was a guy who's very loose pre-flop, but he's just scared money, you know, on the flop, he wants to absolutely smash it or he's done then you can just call and click it back here because you've noticed he see bets 100% of the time and um, he's, he's going to give, give up a lot. Or he just, I'm sorry, the opposite. He just doesn't see bet unless he has top pair or better, in which case, you, you know exactly if he checks, you, gotta, you, you bet, and if he bets, you fold. I don't know, Steve. I would, sh- I would shove, and if I bust out, I bust out. Yeah, okay. I'm I, would even, I, I would even shove maybe up to you know, 20, 21, 22 big blinds. Yeah, I would shove probably up to, yeah, about the same, 20. At least 20 might be the top. Uh, no, I'd probably shove 22 bigs there. Yeah, I like it. Uh, okay, I was curious uh, how you think about jamming, calling, folding when relatively short-stacked and facing an open and thought it might be a good topic for the podcast since it's a little more complicated than just reading a chart. As you might imagine, uh, let's see, we've got results here. My opponent had a worse ace. Turn two pair GG. Uh, had I jammed, I think he might have folded pre, and I would have picked up roughly four bigs plus blinds and annies and his open. Um, it's a big results-oriented hand, but I think it should have been a jam. But I'm not sure. I was only on my second hand at the table, so I had no read. Oh, okay, he goes on to so say he has no read, uh, other than that he was a big stack and he was opening a lot of hands, and he could be opening yeah. a lot of hands. I mean, I would just, I'm tempted to say in all of these daily tournaments, if it's, if it's a close, a close spot, then shove is probably the answer, yeah. especially if it's, I'm guessing this is like the, 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 the blinds could be up just the next time it gets around to you. Yeah. And now you've got 11 or 12 bigs. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's one thing that Alexander Fitzgerald just hammers home is he's like, keep the betting lead, which is another word for aggression. You know, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, but yeah, as I said, overall tournament was an awesome experience. I want to thank you for all you do on your podcast. It has helped my game and got me more into poker and probably helped me cash in this tournament. Very cool. Glad we could, uh, we could help. I, I can, uh, I, I actually got a hand, Steve, I can discuss from last night. Really? Okay. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Straddle game. Straddle game. Okay. Um, I got about $1,100 on the button. Okay, $1,100 on the button. And it opens to um, a guy, two to my right, playing lots and lots of hands. Um, just likes to see flops. And he raises to 35 $35. Okay. And I have... I'm on the button. It folds to me. I have nine eights of hearts. Nine eight heart heart. He is. Um, he's got like seven hundred bucks, maybe or something. Okay. Cut off that seven hundred behind. He opens the thirty-five. Um, so you said this is two five ten. Uh yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I think someone had limped, and this player had raised to thirty-five. Okay. Someone had just called 10 early position. Okay. 
I don't know. Um, he does like to ISO a fair amount. Well, yeah. Um, so obviously nine, eight suited something. I always want to see a flop with. Yeah. Do you, did you ever give some thought to three betting here? Well, that's my question. If that's, that's the best option there. Um, I don't know. I have in the blinds are the small blind and the big blind are two pros who are definitely capable of squeezing. Um, they're also capable of really questioning why, if, if I three bet, whether it's, you know, isoing light so they can um, re-iso maybe. Um, I don't know. This would be a typical hand for like the people would three bet to like balance with. If they want to do tens plus, then they also have ace five suited, nine eight suited, eight seven suited kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and But uh, my flatting range here isn't necessarily weak after someone limps and someone. So I, I don't know how often I'm getting squeezed or not. I think that's the big question maybe yeah um i don't know steve I'll, I'll just go this is one of those hands where it's like i'm sorry i'm just gonna my answer is like i don't know guy to my left um i just called okay. he makes it um 145 145 okay um next pe two people fold the um Original limper folds, the guy who made it 35 folds, and it's back to me. Okay. And he has me covered. He has like 2,000. And like, I, th I think I said, did I say 1,100? I'm just said 1,100, yeah. Okay. So the guy, that, the, the small blind made it 145, right? Yeah. He's a pro. Right now, as usually, you hear me complaining. We, gotta, we, we always have some passports there. It's how I say it now. We got three Brazilian passports. Australian passport, a New Zealand passport, and a French passport. So we got we got our foreign players running. And this guy has been killing it. He's he's Aussie and he's he's very very good. And um, yes, nice guy. But we're all happy to see him leave in a few weeks. I think. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just that, that's just the cruel way it is. He's a lot of fun at the table. But um, so, uh, Steve, this is again. I'm I'm trying to rather than coming up these with these dynamic and real interesting situations. I'm just trying to come up with basic situations that you see all the time that you need to know the answer to. And I don't know if this work best as a three bet. And I don't know if we're deep enough where I can call another $110 here. Yeah. It, uh... Like how much, how, what, what need does our stacks need to be for this be, to be a profitable call? I want to say the answer is probably 1500 at least plus. Yeah, I, 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 going back a little bit, like when when you said that you had eight nine of hearts on the button and you get a limp, and then a small uh, little bet that is basically a pot sweetener because that that guy that called ten bucks is never folding another twenty five to that. Um, I, I really like a three bet, especially with the pros to your left. You're going to be this is the best position you could ever be in against those two guys. You're on the button. Right. I mean, I don't mind playing multi-way in position with nine eight two. So, um, yeah, but I think three betting makes more money in the long run. Probably. You know. I mean, the guy who ISO doesn't have to have a big hit. It could could you know theoretically have a big hand though too. It could. Yeah. If you uh, if you raise and have to fold nine eight suited, that's always one of those painful ones. That's true. But, but sometimes that shit happens. I mean, the worst thing that can happen when you uh, three bet is you get four bet. Uh, but it just doesn't happen that often. You know. 
you, you remember when it happens uh, because those one out of five times are so painful, but the vast majority of the time you three bet here and you get called by the guy that made it 35 and now you're in position against one of the worst players at the table and, uh, you know, just take a flop. At, um, so what is your, your range here? For three betting? I mean, this is, I mean, every question is range, but I guess this is my point. If I ever want to like really crush two five or move up to five ten to be able to be that, like most good pros, like they're just a bot in a spot like this. They know exactly what their three betting range is, what their flatting range is. And just as importantly, or more importantly, they know what their response to a squeeze from a pro is, you know. Yeah. I don't know. They might even yeah, it's hard if this, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you could four bet fold, but you know, that's, so um, I don't know, Steve, what, what is your, so that's, so basically in every step of the way here, I could be, I'm not doing anything totally stupid, but I know it's, it's imperfect and I don't know the answer. So that's kind of my point here. I end up calling. Okay. Um, now that's probably also bad. You call the 110? Yeah. So we had 240 in the pot and it was 110 to call? Okay. Yeah, I mean, the fact that this guy is a pro and squeezing a lot, Steve, in your opinion, does that mean I call more or less? I, I would think you call less. I, I would three bet more and, and call less. Yeah, I think it basically you just, you just gave this guy a spot where he could squeeze and you kind of have to – because if you hit two pair here, he might, he, if, he might has a, if you think he's bluffing a lot, then you're not getting paid anyways sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I thought I told myself I'm going to call, and the reason it's going to be profitable is because you know I'm in position and I can own, own and post flop, and I'm just going to float or raise every flop, blah blah blah, which is already getting stupid and adding too much variance in a game that wasn't, which is pretty decent. So there's nothing really interesting, Steve. I called, and the flop um, again. There's which flops would some players make moves on? I don't know. This the flop was king queen, like four with one heart rainbow flop. Okay. So he see bet, he see bets. He did the down C bet. He bet like 80. <laughs> of course. So which is pretty kind of standard here. That's, that's become a real, the down bet on, on C bets. Huh. I, I just fold. Okay. Yeah. So again, like Steve, this is, if I really ever wanted to, I try to remind myself that these spots I really should be taking seriously. Um, and again, I can beat the game without knowing the answer to this just maybe making a mental note to um i mean you you do have to fight back against the other pros or they they will jump on you you know True. you can't roll over but uh yeah i don't know if that's best as a three bet or a flat i don't know if you can call a three bet and i don't know which flops i'm supposed to bluff at or pursue like i would any like 10 high flop i was maybe gonna anything with like uh, you know gutter ball i was gonna raise but um yeah, I mean, again, that's just uh, that's that's. If I was Carlos, I would demand that I know the answer to that. Yeah, but I'm I'm giving myself credit for just knowing that I should know the answer to that. Is that, is that <laughs> at least I'm becoming more aware of my ignorance. I'm not doing anything <laughs> to get better at it. But no, it, it's time to like just get better at poker, Steve. Like I said, long we, we've had all the talks with with Alex about how poker is going to get worse. Like, of course, he has kind of a darker perspective like, like me, but when the games, when for all we know, three more passports are going to walk in. And it's at that point, it's, and they're all playing at, playing at me, you know? So at this point, 
there's going to be times where the games get really hard where I can just camp out at two, three and accept that I can't make more than 20 bucks an hour. Yeah. Or I need to hold my, my own and play as close to perfectly as I can against the pros. Yeah. Or, or they're just taking every dollar at the table. So hopefully it never comes to that, Steve, where I actually, but it should, I should prepare for those days at least, or at least somewhat, but, um, yeah, I mean, you're you're better at cash than I am, but I mean, like in any scenario, I feel like if you got a three betting hand on the button, which I think eight nine suited falls squarely in that, um, and you have two pros on your left who you're going to have position on them all, the, you know, for the rest of the hand. Um, I mean, they're not three betting you there with crap, right? They may do it with like an ace, like a weak ace. They may do it with the you know all broadways. But still, I mean, right. I'm three bet heavy too. So it's also opening a spot for one of those guys to re-raise, I thought too. Um, I think so. Yeah. But uh, they're, they're yeah, not doing Steve, that with like nine, four off suit, which is the vast majority of hands, right? You're probably right, but you don't know you're right. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? You and I don't know what the optimal answer is there. We yeah. agree to that. Like what the range of a top pro is in that spot. Yeah. What are they, how often are they three betting? Okay. You know what I mean? What ranges? It, it might be somebody said, well, I'm three betting half It would my be a suit. four bet, right? Because you already got a no. You three bet, it, they four bet. It would be a three bet. Somebody just limped and somebody raised. Somebody yeah. two bet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. We would. I'm not even talking about the squeeze. I'm talking about the decision, which you were talking about, okay. which is you would say the three bet. So I'm just saying somebody there has a specific range, which is might even be, well, I'm three betting nine, eight suited 50% of the time because I, you know, I mean, because we don't want too many bluffs in our raising range or we're susceptible, you know, I don't know, Steve, you're probably right on this specific hand. I'm just pointing out the, yeah, no, that's a good point. work ahead. If I were to want to get better at poker, like I should know that answer. I mean, essentially we're playing, we have 110 big blinds with the straddle because the straddles 10, um, the original opener has 70 big blinds. I, I think that I, now I wouldn't three bet this and then, and then call up four bet. I think that would be a big mistake. Uh, but we can't, yeah, we can't afford that. No. Um, okay, Steve, you're sticking to the, the idea that this is a pretty easy three bet. You're probably right, but I'm just pointing out that, you know, these are in these close spots, which I think it was uh, pre-flop anyways. Uh, I'm, Pretty, I'm no longer opening crap. I think I'm three betting crap less. So I'm playing preflop better, but there's still a lot of these close spots where, you know, I just don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't either. I, I just feel like a three bet is good there. You know, you're going to be in position against the two best players at the table, and this is the only spot in 10 hands that it happens, you know? Well, if the, if the original guy raises and the next guy just calls 35, and I have nine eight suited. Does that increase the chances you flat, or increases the chances you squeeze? Uh, now, mm, with the two pros there, I'm just trying to establish facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're as ignorant of this as I am. I, I might be more inclined to fold then. Oh, not calling with eight nine suited on the button feels like a mistake. But I mean, you're just making it. I feel like we're just donating $35 to one of the two guys on our left, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, it wasn't, if the early position guy who I think was limping a while raised, we're going to give him some big hands in his range. So that, that hope that might reduce the squeezing 
likelihood to the left there a little bit. Yeah. I'd probably be more inclined to fold then if, if the position or if the open came from early position. Um, okay. I'm, I'm just never folding nine, eight suited when I can chance to play it, you know, well, let me ask you this. Let's say, let's say, uh, you get the limp under the gun or in early position, like you did, you get the 35 from the, uh, from the cutoff and then the, well, let's say he was in the cutoff and he made it 35. Let's say the hijack makes it 35, cutoff calls 35, and now you're on the button with 8-9 suited. Um, maybe that would be a mistake to fold that there. I don't know, Steve. I, it sounds like a bit major mistake there to me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I'm just like trying to tweak ranges in a professional way is kind of uh, – I need to get better at poker. I've gotten better at bankroll management and tilt control and game selection and all that. Now it's maybe time to uh, – actually try to get a little bit better at poker. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I have the discipline. Like I said, the, the passive discipline just to watch, you know, an hour of poker go or whatever a day seems like it shouldn't be too much, but um, yeah, I don't know, but there's just a lot of spots, Steve, where I, yeah, a lot of these things, I don't know certain spots, like, like if the button opens, especially if it's obviously wide open or I have King queen off in the small blind. I'm going to be three betting a lot. Okay. Yeah. Now what happens if somebody calls in middle position and the cutoff and the button call and I'm in the small blind with King queen off, does that increase your, 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 your raise percentage? Now, did you say they, they open from middle position or they call? Yeah. Open from middle position and you get two callers and you get King queen off in the small blind. Probably just folding. What is your, what, what are you squeezing with there? What are you folding? Do you have any calling range? I'm just saying these are like, if, if I were to get a coach, this is the sort of questions like, how do I know pre-flop? Help, helping me with better pre-flop decisions. Yeah, here yeah. Pissing away a little money. I'm opening Jack nine suited and some of three bets and I call. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how much money or there's spots where I can just fold and I'm squeezing too light and putting myself out of position and, you know, so that, that makes a lot of difference. Just probably playing better pre-flop adds 10 bucks an hour to my game. Yeah. I could use an extra $24,000 a year, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be a good investment. Uh, you know, I think especially when Mark talking to him is like when you first get started and not that I'm just starting, but you know, you're, studying time should be more than your playing time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've got the excuse that I really do need to just grind all the time. I, you know, studying, but, uh, if you I don't know. a coach that you like a legit coach, not, uh, uh, you know, just watching videos. Yeah. yeah like who, who would it be for cash game for, for um, I have no clue. Next, you know? What's that? I, I really have no clue. I mean, Joe LaPinta. Maybe. Yeah, that's one. I can probably very good. I can I can guilt Joe into some free lessons too. Maybe. He's like, <laughs> Joe, I'm so lonely. No, yeah, I mean something like you know, uh, once. Well, Andrew's obviously a great coach. Uh, I mean, once once a week or twice a month or whatever, you and him uh, um, just get on the phone for an hour and a half or whatever. You ask him all these spots, uh, take notes, and, and right. uh, then put that practice into play for the next week, and then rinse and repeat. You know, I mean. A hundred bucks a week right there, I think would be a great investment, you know? Right. Yeah. Something like that. I forgot, Steve, there was something very epic that happened in the card room last night. Ooh, this should be interesting. Um, 
I don't know if I want to blame it on substances or whatever, <laughs> but I did something nobody's ever seen before. A lot of people say it is uh, it folds to me on the button mm-hmm. straddle and I have queen jack off, which is be a pretty standard open from there. Mm-hmm. Even with the pros on my left. So I take out $35 and I throw it into the middle at the same time. I throw my cards in the middle. I just throw both of them in there. That's- I, fo- I, I bet at <laughs> mucked at the same time. <laughs> Steve, it, it gets better. So the guy, the guys to my left are just laughing hysterically. I don't know what, I don't care. You know, they're both looking at me and I'm like, I'm kind of joking. Cause I, you know, I'm probably getting mocked for something I don't care about, but I'm like floor over there. I want to look at the video. These guys are colluding. You know, but it's, so they, they start laughing even louder, of course, cause I'm so far off field. So the guy to my left, of course, uh, raises similar, you know, I make it thir- 135. He makes it one, one, I make it 35, he makes like 135 or one something. Mm-hmm. And it folds to me, and um, I tanked for a while <laughs> with no hand in front of me. <laughs> and it, he's been squeezing me a lot, and it's like I got a little – I think I'd lost a few hands, and I was kind of – so I was probably down to like the starting – I was down to 800 here. Um, so I was seriously thinking of just shoving. You know, I got some blockers to some good hands. Um, and he's going to be uh, if if he's three betting twenty five percent of the time here. He's, Wait, he's, I'm confused. I thought you didn't have any cards. I didn't, but this is why I was tanking. I was trying to decide if I could shove Queen Jack. Oh, you didn't realize you folded. Is that what happened? Yeah, I'm still sitting there with no cards after he raised, tanking, deciding what I'm going to do next. Okay, uh, so you 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 thought that you still had cards? Is it is it is that what? It yes, was? yes. Okay, yeah. wow, that's impressive. No, I've never seen that. <laughs> so I don't know if first of all, I wonder if this this was a dealer fa- uh, fail when I'm back and like I was tanking for a while. Like, shouldn't they say your can is dead and just push the just? Shouldn't they just push the the pot? Stack? To the other guy. <laughs> I think they're supposed to. Yeah, push push the pot. So maybe this is a dealer I've under tipped or something like that. So I didn't finally. Um, but yeah, I think it was a legit decision. I think shoving there is not wouldn't be out of line. Um, I decide. Cards, right? I'm sorry. Had you kept your cards, shoving would be a legitimate option, right? No, I had already decided to fold, and I reached down to put my cards and push them in the middle. I said fold, and there was no cards there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh wow. <laughs> so next time I complain about a bad beat. You can say, Mike, I think you got other issues to work on here. <laughs> was this at the end of a 12 or 15 hour session? Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty late. I mean, well, I mean, it was, I can't remember what time it was in the morning, probably near the end of my session, you know, 10 hours or something probably. But uh, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Right I think a couple of times I've misread my hand. Yeah, I've done that. Where like somebody like I bet well, I remember I was betting the whole way with kings and one. This is the only one I can actually specifically remember where I went like bet bet shove with kings when there's a king on board. Mm-hmm. And a guy called with aces, and I'm like, oh, I threw it in the muck. I'm like, hold on, you know, I I hit two pair on the river. Oh, I had like some king six or some rag hand, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I already thrown it in the muck. Oh, you know. bummer. I I I did that, that probably. Just as costly. I, I was sitting at a, uh, eh, let's see, but this was at the old card room in um, off the avenue. And 
I look down, I have aces and um, I raise a guy three bets me. I four bet he shoves and I call and I flip over ace four. He had tens. So it's like, okay, that wasn't a second ace. <laughs> that was a four. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, that won't be a tricky one. Yeah, I don't feel, I mean, smart people have done some, uh, one of the passport pros, this happened like a big pot. I wasn't there, but supposedly like a $6,000 pot where he snapped a guy off because he thought he had a flush oh. and he was thinking about his cards from the previous hand. Oh shit. And he, oh. so he lost over three, he was devastated. He picked up and walked around for 20 and he came over and finally picked his chips up. But he, uh, yeah, he was drawn dead. The other guy had like a straight on the turn and he just snapped him off with a flush draw and had we thought was a flush and he had absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Grinding long hours. I mean, I, that's just ridiculous that that's my, yeah, that that happened obviously, but <laughs> I've never seen it, you know? Yeah. I was going to, you know, I was thinking this is a raise. And at the same time, I think I was like, no, you can't raise. You know, these guys are good. I don't feel like getting in a war with queen Jack where I'm going to get, so, yeah, I was basically neurotic, couldn't decide which to do, so I decided to do both. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, glad you, uh, I'm glad you didn't shove there. That yeah, we were talking about it afterwards, and these guys were like, no, no, we wouldn't have taken all your money there. It's, you know, <laughs> they, would have, they would have fought on my behalf to get the money back. I don't know. I, I don't know if I deserve that. They probably should take the money. Uh, you got to punish a man. That's the only <laughs> way you learn lessons. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, we should probably wrap it up here. No, Steve. I gotta. I want to talk some more. <laughs> no, I, I have. I, I have nothing more to contribute here. So good timing. Good deal. Good deal. Well, thank you for coming on, Mikey. It's always a pleasure. Sure. I love yeah. our uh, conversations. It's uh, it's amazing. We've been doing this for five years, and you've been playing for probably almost that long too. And, uh, since uh yeah it's been i think exactly five years since i moved to california or just about yeah. yeah i think we started it like late 2014 something like that so i think we're coming up on five years this is pretty cool it's pretty amazing steve it is it is right on well good deal well thank you mikey you guys can yep. have a great day twitter at hup podcast is me and at mike schneiderman is uh, mr schneidy uh, thank you for tuning in. Here is your weekly motivational speech. I'm not going to sit here and tell you life is going to be Ron Howard happy days every day. It's not going to be that way. Matter of fact, it's probably going to be the opposite. You see, the enemy is going to throw everything he has in his toolbox at you. Now, he can't stop you himself, but his objective is to get you to stop you. This message is for the struggle, for all those going through trials and tribulations. People in this world are going to fool you, disappoint you, turn their back on you. The closest around you are going to give up on you. And when things hit the fan, everybody's gonna run. You're gonna look around and you're gonna be all alone. I'm just keeping it real with you because somebody out there needs to hear what I'm saying. This ain't a motivational video. Man, this is life. This ain't no game to me and I know what you're going through. And I'm gonna speak life into you right now. 
Nothing, listen to me. Nothing can stop you. God will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is all you need. There's a power inside of you that you can only discover when you are truly alone. Just as the waves on a beach shore come in and out, people will do the same. Relationships are like music and you should never make music when anybody who doesn't understand, appreciate and value your lyrics. Sometimes, you just gotta let these people go. You gotta know your worth. Sometimes you just gotta let them people go. You gotta stop chasing people who don't appreciate you. Sometimes in this life, champion, you gotta remind the world just who you are. And you don't do this by telling them with your mouth. You tell them with your actions. You make your actions speak loud and proud to who you are. Don't let the world convince you that you're a nobody. You're somebody who just don't know it yet. Do you hear what I'm saying, champion? I'm speaking to the champion in you. Rise, champion. The way of the warrior.